welcome to the Coco Express Network. Talk radio that informs. Talk radio that inspires. Talk radio that enlightens. Talk radio for us all. to some. Welcome to the Cocoa Express Show Network. This is our first, well, this is our second show for the year, so all of those who didn't tune in on Wednesday, Happy New Year to you. Today's segment is going to be a segment that we're going to try, we're not going to try to cure the ills of the world, but we're just going to try to begin a dialogue. And the topic of today's show is what does it mean to act like a lady? Now, the hashtag MeToo has sparked various conversations regarding women's roles in society and the workplace. For some, proper decorum is something that has never been a topic in their homes, and they create their own rules in the outside world. For others, they find themselves lost in a sea of too many rules to try to live by. What is correct and some, you know, what is correct? And in some segments of our society, they are more likely to be left out of the whole discussion completely. Now, joining me today um, to discuss this topic is going to be Lady Trinette Wilson. She is the founder of the National Association of Urban Urban Etiquette Professionals. And together, we're just going to give you a different perspective. You know, we're not trying to change anything. We're just trying to show you a different way. Now, there's been so much going on in the world. And, you know, but the thing about it that's so interesting and unique, the Bible says it's nothing new under the sun. So we're just going to try to see how there is a separation, how the separation has existed, how to bridge the gap. We're going to try to talk about acting like a lady. What is etiquette? The urban community experience, the Me Too movement, the Time's Up initiative, and our look at things, the way we look at things. So please allow me the opportunity to bring to you Lady Trinette Wilson of the National Association of Urban Etiquette Professionals. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, I am honored to have you on the show. And I have to say, I was so happy when you agreed to do the show on this particular topic. And, um, you know, we discussed so many things. And I know I sent you an article also, which uh, is part of the reason why I wanted to have this this dialogue, to open up the conversation a little bit more from a different Mm -hmm. perspective. And, Mm -hmm. you know, being that you are the founder of uh, the National Association of Urban Etiquette Professionals, it is your your, um, mission to help people learn how to conduct themselves in a proper way. A proper way, but today um, is different than yesterday. What does it mean to act like a lady today? Wonderful, wonderful question. Um, so let's let's just begin with um, in the past what we thought a lady was. Um, and so if you went to church or if you, if you saw someone who carried themselves with dignity, elegance, and respect, um, you, would, you would think that person is a lady. Now, a lady is, an opposite, is the opposite of a gentleman. 
Um, and so it, it, it begs, when you think of a lady, it, it begs for you to think of someone with class, elegance, and style, someone who carries themselves with respect, just like a gentleman does. Now, in terms of um, royalty, um, it is a, an official title in, in, say, England, a lady. It goes before someone's name. So you have a lady based on how she carries herself. Number two, you have a lady based upon her standing within a royal family. And number three, the term lady is used um, to describe women in the church. So if you are married, you have a certain particular relationship with the church, and you carry yourself like a lady, um, then you are considered called a lady in the church setting. So in the past, those definitions used to be very, very much um, defined for us. With the advent of being free and I don't have to act this way and being a lady is boring and um, why should I be a lady, um, the, the millennials and, and as the years have gone by, they've redefined what they think a lady is. Unfortunately, however, within um, professional circles, spiritual circles, business circles, the term lady still means the same. And so um, to be a lady is to carry yourself with dignity, is to carry yourself with class and honor. And in this day and age, the way women are treated, not just by men, but by each other, um, how we carry ourselves truly defines for other people how to treat us. And so one of the reasons you want to carry yourself like a lady is so you can be treated with the respect that you feel you deserve. And so um, there's been a backlash of, of, of um, acting like a lady, but um, I see a lot of women starting to move back to, you know what, I don't want to act like that anymore. You know what, I don't want to be in a restaurant throwing a drink on a person. That really doesn't define who I am or describe who I am as a lady. So I am excited because this year uh, for the National Association of Urban Etiquette Professionals, our theme is the year of the lady. And so we are trying to bring the message back of, uh, of dignity, class, elegance, and honor. Um, around women. We're trying to recognize women who carry themselves in that manner. Um, and we're just trying to advocate for women getting back to what makes us special. Great. That is excellent. Now, I've always noticed that, you know, in certain social circles, you had those that knew, those that were in the know, and those that weren't. And I always found that etiquette was a way to bridge that gap. You know, it, it allowed people to understand how to behave in a certain manner to get yourself into certain circles. Now, am I correct by saying that? What is etiquette, and how does it bridge the gap? Excellent. I mean, you're on fire today. You're asking all the right questions. <laughs> um, so um, etiquette is, um, the term etiquette means ticket. Um, ticket, access. Access to whatever you want in life. And unfortunately, when a child, when an adult does not have etiquette, they don't have the ticket, the access to what they want in life, be it professional uh, or be it social. If you do not know how to carry yourself, if you do not know the right rules when um, they apply, um, then you don't have the ticket. Now, the, the sad part part is, no one will ever tell you what etiquette you're missing, what you did wrong. You just won't ever hear from that person again. Um, and you'll sit and wonder, well, what did I do wrong? 
because etiquette um, involves unspoken rules of behavior. And so as you um, begin to learn these rules, you'll begin to see your conversations go a little bit better. You're, um, you're able to um, maintain relationships a little bit better. Uh, when you go into social environments, you feel more comfortable because you know what to do. You know what fork to use. You know where the napkin goes. You begin to, to, to get confidence in yourself, and you begin to gain access or the ticket to these other places. Now, of course, etiquette began in England. In in uh, King George's royal court, they had several rules, and so one of his rules were he put um, etiquette on the yard. He put a sign, etiquette, on the sign to keep the people off the yard. Um, but it it means access. It shows them we need etiquette, and they had all of these horrendous rules. Um, so we we have pull back on some of those rules today around etiquette. I mean, even if some of the rules um, today still apply in England, if you noticed um, the young lady who's getting ready to marry um, um, Prince Harry, Meghan Markle, she had to learn the correct bow to do. And you can only do, you know, the correct bows at certain times. And so if you move to England, you would have to learn a lot more rules when it comes to dealing with the royal family. But here in America, just basic. I mean, I see so many people just missing basic etiquette. Please and thank you. Excuse me. Opening the door, closing the door. In a business meeting, not shouting out or not speaking over people. Um, and so I see just basic etiquette missing in our culture. And um, I'm so excited to be a part of a team with Nayub, uh, with women across the country who work boots on the ground in urban communities to bring the message of etiquette to them because we have devalued it so much in our community. Okay, excellent. And I'm glad that you made that segue into the urban community. Now, mm. we know that the urban community is it's constantly moving, constantly going. And I believe that in certain segments of our society and in even in some businesses, they are constantly moving and constantly going, which overexposes the members of those particular societies. And that overexposure leads to things like um, oversexualization, harassment, and all those different things because there's no time to break or rest, to take time out, to step back, to process things, think about what you need to do next to move forward. Now, I sent you an article for you to kind of check out, and I wanted to um, talk about that article, and it had to do with uh, a young lady wrote the article, and I believe her name was Shanita Hayberg, and it was Why Black Women Can't Say Me Too. And I found that article, it made me cry, to be totally honest, because I'm a product of living in the inner city. I I was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. And a lot of what she was saying in the article had so much facts to it that it made me realize that maybe me too, but I didn't know because of my experiences in the inner city. So what she's basically saying is that in our communities, in the urban communities, we have a different experience. We have a different way to look at things because of the slavery notion, because of all those things we've experienced in the past. 
Um, she even said, I'm going to just kind of pull out one thing. Okay, she goes, um, on this intersection, there are so many others in the world. Your body and sense of safety were both up for grabs. On any good day, if you and a girlfriend remain silent, walking past a group of corner dudes you will, who were all about 15 years your senior and screaming about what they would do to your 12-year-old body would be a short-lived experience. And on oh. other days, especially if you were walking alone, things would escape escalate quickly. One of the men would grab your butt and you would pretend you didn't feel it. Fighting back would make things worse. If you resisted, they would scream at you and curse at you and in one particular case, attempt to follow you home until you ran inside a store and waited them out. But cross, but cross this intersection enough times and such things start to feel normal. That's the point that I'm trying to make. In our, mm-hmm. in our urban communities, we become numb to this behavior that we see, and we don't know that it's wrong. It's like, oh, and I believe that Me Too is a colloquialism for us because we've used that. Oh, that happened to you. That happened to Me Too. So, yes. you know, yes. give me, give me something. You know, how, how is it that we can understand the experience, but we can't embrace the experience? Well, that's so wonderful because um, as I watched the Me Too hashtag unfold and I watched the behaviors that led to um, this movement of women coming forward saying I've been molested too, I I thought to myself as a black woman and growing up in a black community, um, talking to other women, and they would say, you know, well, I've been touched, and everybody would say, who in here hasn't been touched? That's just a normal part of us growing up. Mm -hmm. And so in the black community, uh, women have been objects of sex for a very long time, from from a very young age. And, in fact, I just penned a, a, a book that's coming out. It's already out, Understanding um, Your Brown Daughter's Body, your, your Daughter's Brown Body, because we must understand that um, just like anybody else, we, too, were affected and victimized. When a man, when a man grabs you at 12 years old and you don't want him to grab you, which at 12 you don't, you're being victimized, but we, we belittle it. We, we say, oh, girl, you all right, because why? Because we were all right, because we, we made it through. You can make it through, but mm-hmm. guess what? If you truly look at a lot of these women who have been abused, they're not making it through. They are drug addicts. They are men addicts. They are sex addicts. There's a lot of problems going on, so a lot of times in the black community, we do not get the help that we need. So the first way that we address this in our issue, in our society, so that we can be included, um, by the way, a, a black woman started the hashtag Me Too, Me Too movement, and she has been totally cut out of any of the advertising and marketing around it. Um, and so it, it, it almost makes it seem like society says, not just our community, but society says black women can be hurt and other races of women cannot. So number one, my goal, even with the magazine and even what we do is, number one, is to humanize black women. Yes. Too many times we're dehumanized. We, we're looked at sex objects. We're looked at people who fight or fuss. We don't, we don't, we're caricatures for people. We're not real. So, number one, I think we need to go back into ourselves as women and into our own community and um, validate their, their, the hurt that has occurred in our community. 
I think it's been swept up under the rug too long. I think there could be a whole separate movement for the urban community to begin this conversation. I'm so excited that today that you saw the need for it and um, included me in on it. This is just the beginning because I think that if we do not start the conversation, then it will continue to get, you know, pushed up under the rug. So number one Mm -hmm. is we need to say that we've been abused. Number two, we need to say, dude, guys, you all have done this. And you don't Mm -hmm. get a pass anymore. You don't get it passed anymore. So many times in our society, in our in, in, in what we've seen in the landscape, is black men marrying outside their race, insulting black women. And you can go into schools, in, in, in communities, and hear it over and over and over again. Then you're insulting black women, but they birthed you, they raised you, and for some got you out of jail. So this idea that a black man can attack a black woman and nobody say nothing, that time is over. It, that stops in 2018. It stops now. So, um, you know, throwing these bombs into black women, into the black women, you know, um, space is unfair, it's untrue, and it also allows that victimization to continue. Because if I feel I can victimize you because you're nothing, because you haven't stood up and said, wait a minute, um, as a community, as, a, as one, um, then, then they feel they have the permission to do it. So, number one, we must, as women, decide, what abuse is and that we've been abused and that we didn't like it and that there was some pain that came from it. And, and for older women to stop missing it, for younger women to stop um, accepting it, and for us to stand as one. Number two, we've got to call the guys out. And number three, we've got to build the bridge. We've got to build a way where we can talk about sex, that um, with moms can talk about sex with their children, uh, with, their, with their sons and daughters, in a healthy way so that when they are uh, faced with that situation, as a girl, they know what to do. Mm-hmm. And then you teach your young man so he is not the culprit of perpetuating that behavior. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, in reading the article, um, she even states that, you know, in some ways, like you said, we do give men a pass. But she said, in some ways, yes, we we don't say anything because on that same inter- intersection intersection of the street, any other given day, the black male is is, is under attack, and we're as women, we are so mm-hmm. busy trying to protect our men, and they don't realize how much we love our men, that they don't see how much they damage us in their behavior. Mm. So. You know, and I that's told, the I part completely that, agree with that. Yeah, and that's the part that brought tears to my eyes. I said, because black men, even though they like to dismiss black women and they like to treat them poorly, they have no clue how hard black women go to the the, the, the battlegrounds for them on little things that they don't even know, things that they don't even understand, and not speaking up about a situation because they don't want to see their brother go to jail there you go. or be arrested and unnecessarily. Is- and and so then in in this development of relationships between black men and black women, what happened that black men began to look at us that, that as if um what they were doing to us didn't hurt us. And it is a result of again women being silent. Women being silent. And then if you do speak up, that touched me when, when I agree with her so much in the article where she talked about if you say something, the black man attacks us. 
Um, you know, you ugly. Don't nobody want you. Um, in fact, um, I had a young girl mom call me the other day. Her daughter wanted to know how to handle when she goes to school. The black boys, when she walks through, they tease her and say she's so black. How do you deal with pain? How do you deal with it when the pain is coming from somebody who looks like you? Mm. And so, um, of course, I gave her what I felt was the right situation in that because I had those problems. Being a dark-skinned woman, when I was growing up, I just told her what to say. But um, it, it really begins with the parents. You have to re-educate your boys. You cannot be raising boys that disrespect women of any color. But you certainly can't be raising boys who have a disrespect toward you, your color, because that's who they are. To say you hate a black woman, you're a black man, is to say you hate yourself. And so I think the black community uh, needs to think long and hard about us as a unit instead of thinking I'm different from you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what happens. Poor blacks, middle-class blacks, white blacks, um, excuse me, um, higher-class blacks who tend to be more um, inundated in the white community, they look down on other blacks. Middle-class blacks look down on lower-class blacks. We've got to stop all this class racism within our own race before anyone else can accept us. And so the pain that women feel, it truly is true. I think it needs to be validated, and I think it needs to be voiced. But on the flip side of the coin, we as mothers, are we the ones turning out sons who are being disrespectful to women? Yes, and that is something, you know, and I've caught myself, I guess I can say, caught myself um, saying that to someone, and I felt... Um, I felt like I was wrong for saying it because it was so true and I had to step back and I'm like, you know, who am I to say, you know, you could do a better job of raising your son because one, I didn't have any sons to raise, but I was indirectly, you know, experiencing what they had not done mm-hmm. correctly. And they took offense to what I was saying and, you know, it, it led to a whole myriad of other things over the years. And, you know, it's like you are, you're, you're, you're villainized if you speak up and you're criticized if you don't speak up. So you don't know, you're like, a, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place in that regard. Now, with that said, um, you know, you take that urban child out of the urban community with that mindset and you put them in a the corporate arena. What changes? Mm-hmm. They demand respect. That's what that's what the I mean. People treat you the way you demand. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so, but if you treated if you're treated in this particular manner by your own, when you mm-hmm. go outside of the community mm-hmm. and you're you're integrated into other societies, what do they do? That's the problem right there. What do they do? Because oftentimes they see the same behavior. It's just coming from a different you know a different side of the street, so to speak, what do they Mm -hmm. do to make sure that they're not perpetuating the same situation over again? Oh, that's such a great question. And, and you're right. Um, When you're in the urban community need to go up Um, as far as behavior and how you talk to someone and how you treat someone. Listen, the law is for the lawless. And so you were saying, who are you to say, tell someone about how they're raising the children, but, you know, they have stop signs. Who are they to tell us to stop? You know, the, the law, the rules are for a reason. 
so that we can live in a society in peace. In fact, the first first, um, sign of etiquette, the first form of etiquette was a handshake. Um, So they could show that there was no knife in the hand. There were no weapons in the hand and that I come in peace and not to hurt you. So as parents, and you're raising your child, and you know they're going to be, you know, going to college, going on to a professional career, or just dealing with other people on a daily basis. All parents, between three and five, your child's brain is 90 to 95% formed. Between three and five, you can introduce the rules of etiquette, meaning please, thank you, excuse me, knowing the different roles that people play and authority. So, number one, you need to begin at an early age introducing being kind to others. And this is really what we're talking about. It's, being, it's, it's so sad that we have to teach people to be kind to others. Number two, as they get older, so they're five now between six and 12, they are, um, they're testing their boundaries, they're learning things, they're learning how other people act, and you will start to see them come home with some behaviors maybe that you can introduce to them. So, you know, they may say something rude to their little brother or sister, or they may walk in and just grab the remote control and turn it. And so these are great teachable moments that you say, listen, I know Johnny does that, but in, but in our home and what is right is in this situation is to behave this way. So I believe in raising your children to have respect for others and have um, just general and basic etiquette. But when you start seeing your kids act out, you must address it. Now, when they get 17 and older into young adulthood and adulthood, by then they are coming into contact with all types of situations. And as you know, as a young adult, um, um, raging against the system is something they like to do. So you can expect a little bit of, of um, you know, pushback. However, mm-hmm. as they begin to want more things, say, for instance, a scholarship, an internship, they will begin to fall in line with the rules that you have um, taught them and set as they have grown up um, in their life. So when they go into other atmospheres, they hearken back to, oh, yeah, Mama said this, and Mama said that, and, well, I bet Amy said blah, blah, blah. They learned this in church. And so they've learned how to act a little bit in a situation. I would advise any young adult going into a workforce situation to take a dining business image and public speaking workshop. Now you can go see Miss Lyles over in Connecticut. You can come see us in Texas, but you must have an etiquette workshop um, because it will teach you those things that you do not know. Um, so how do we change it? We, we begin to talk to parents a little bit more. We begin to let the parents know you are the first line of defense. Now for those who don't, who don't have any of that, Mama didn't tell you say please and thank you. You know, you think it's okay to grab somebody's food off their plate um, and all of the things that we see around being rude to others and rules being broken um, in etiquette. Um, you you lose enough jobs, you lose enough relationships, you're going to sit back and say, wait a minute, is this me? What am I doing wrong? Um, and you know what? I believe in the buddy system on the job. If you're, if you're in a job and you have other urban people who are working there, people who look like you working there, and you see them making mistakes, we owe it to each other to help each other. And unfortunately, too many times in the workplace, we let others crash and burn. Perhaps it's for our own job security, but it ultimately it makes us all look bad. 
And so we all have a responsibility to say, girl, you okay? Because she hasn't been coming to work in the last three days. They've been saying something. So we need to talk to one another. We need to hold one another up and hold each other accountable. So those are some of the things that I would suggest to start, uh, you know, turning this Titanic around. <laughs> all right, interesting Titanic. <laughs> Oh, you are absolutely right. We are on a sinking ship. Um, yes. And, okay, now, when when you say, like, the example that you used at work, some people feel that at work that they, as you mentioned, job security, and they don't feel comfortable enough to, to speak to someone, and they feel that if, if they knew um, that they were – kind of having a side conversation, they may be reprimanded for it. I once had a job on um, Wall Street, and um, uh, we would we would gather around the water cooler in the morning, and we would just say, hey, how you doing? How was your evening? And we had one of the um, senior managers would come around and say, no congregating at the water cooler. And we had to look at him like, what? But that caused us to all, you know, well, I didn't move fast enough because I, I was still standing there trying to figure out why would he say that. But people just scurried away, and they wouldn't talk anymore after that. And mm-hmm. I think that's the reason why sometimes we don't look out for each other because we feel that we may be reprimanded for it. How do we get past that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let me tell you. That is such a great example. That is a way to scare you, to keep you from congregating. Um, other races of people sometimes get very intimidated to see a whole group of, of African-Americans together, uh, strong, confident in themselves. They don't like it. In fact, I was working uh, years ago at a job that moved all of the um, African-Americans to one department and, and then um, closed the department. <laughs> so, oh, my. Oh, my. Yes, yes, yes. So um, there is, there definitely is um, uh, some intimidation involved. As workers, however, what we can do, we do know the rules around not congregating and things like that. Uh, again, I hope your audience hears me. When they see a, a bunch of urban people together, they get intimidated. And so the way you do it is you go by the desk, hey, girl, let's have lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, or you say, hey, uh, let's talk after work. Um, and keep the, op- the the relationship open. So what I'm saying is, do it off campus, do it off mm-hmm. out of the workplace, and 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 be honest uh, with that with that person. And um, you know, you're you're pretty smart as a person, as a worker. They hired you there. They that you kind of know if it's safe or not to talk to this person. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be prayerful. You have to be wise, but. Believe you me, someone else looking bad that looks like you can make you look bad as well. And so mm-hmm. you do want to address it, again, off campus um, and in privacy, if you will. You never want to bring someone's etiquette up in front of other people anyway. So you want to do that in a private setting. Yes, yes, and that's good. Now, you know, we're talking now about the changes in the way we look at appropriate behavior. And we have to rethink because once you've reached a certain age, you've already got certain ingrained habits that you um, think are, are, are normal, which in some cases they may not be. So how do you rethink and retrain yourself to not behave in a certain way over time? 
Oh, you've been asking such great questions today. <laughs> um, and so um, I think a lot of times people just need to be honest with themselves. And so if you want a position, say you're looking at a position and you you haven't been able to crack it, you haven't been able to get that position, it's self-examination. It's always important. In fact, that's what New Year's resolutions are all about, um, looking at what you want to change about yourself. And so um, the, first, the first step to change is admitting you need one. So anyone who, who is listening, listening um, to our conversation today, if you look in the mirror and you have some things that you don't like about yourself, about your living situation, about anything, it is in your power to change it. And so the first thing is to admit I don't like something. The next is to change it, meaning looking for the resources that can help you in this change. So if you have to take an etiquette workshop, if you need to go to um, a class about how to communicate better, um, you should do that. So when you look at this year, 2018, and the money and resources that you're going to spend, instead of buying that new Louis Vuitton um, or that new Gucci belt, but when you go somewhere, people join throwing drinks on you or you're throwing drinks on others. Perhaps instead of spending the money on that, you should spend something on professional development or personal development. And it has to be a part of your growth and maturity. Um, other races do it all the time. They, they have conferences. They go to conferences. They, they go to leadership meetings. Um, you know, perfecting themselves is always a part of their development. And I think the urban community needs to adopt that, uh, adopt that mindset, always making ourselves better. Yes, yes, indeed. And that is one of the reasons why I created the program that I created, to give them that, that vehicle, because if it's not there, then how can they do it? So if it's there, they have an option, an opportunity to participate, to better themselves. We don't need to always leave things open for us, for others to tell us what we need to do. We need to have the things there for us to walk into. Well, that's exactly right. I think sometimes um, when you're doing something wrong and you repeatedly are doing it wrong, you don't know what you're doing wrong. Mm -hmm. You don't know how to fix it. And as an urban community, we have been so um, beat down that we have an aversion to telling someone we have a shortcoming. So we can be standing there hungry, having eight and five days, and somebody asks, are you okay? You say yes, um, because you don't want people to know your situation. Um, but I think to get the help that you need, it's not I think, I know to get the help that you need. As my mother used to say, a closed mouth does not get fed. Mm, that's so true. I've heard it from my so, mom as well. <laughs> so you've got to open your mouth up and say, help me. What do mm -hmm. I need? And then we as practitioners of, of etiquette and business and all of those things, when, when people come to us, we don't know what it takes for them to, to, to put down their pride and ask a question. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Allergies here in Texas. Um, to ask a question. So we should not belittle them or berate them. We should be open to want to see our fellow men do better. So mm -hmm. I get back to caring about your own community. You've got to care about those who look like you. They are a part of your heritage. They are a part of your culture. And this is who God created us to be. Um, you see other cultures who care deeply about their, their cultures, and they maintain them. 
we're the only culture who tries to beat each other down, um, who tries to bring out our shortcomings. And it's time for that to stop, or we're going to be destroyed. Yes, yes, you're absolutely correct with everything that you said. Mm -hmm. And, you know, every, I mean, since, and I have to say, you know, more recently than, than, than before, I have taken on this uh, this mission to watch TV, and I don't normally sit down and, like, really watch TV. So I sat down, and I took some time out to watch The Real Housewives of Atlanta. And I have to say I'm sadly disappointed, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. And I see these beautiful, beautiful black women beautiful they're intelligent and they're wealthy and they act worse than people who live on the street I mean who really live on the street and I for the life of me I couldn't understand it and then I started to sit there and process a lot of things for myself and it comes to me as it's simple it's basic it's easy these are little girls who never got over being little girls. So whatever hurt it was that they had when they were a little girl, that's what we keep seeing displayed on TV. And like you said, between the ages of three and five, that's teachable and trainable moments. And if you miss that window, then you have to deal with all these things. So all these hurts we see are from when they were young, and we see them as adults with those same hurts. Now, I could be wrong, but I don't really... Yeah, I agree with you that um, people who can act and do things in that, and act that way um, have some past stuff that needs to be dealt with. But I will also say this. America is in, invested in making us look bad. And the reason being is because, you know, um, it keeps us from getting a different jobs. It, you know, it, 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 there's, there's an investment in uh, making the urban community look bad. What I'm disappointed in is that um, people will sell their honor and their pride so cheap. So these mm-hmm. women may not be like that at all in real life, but they're paid to act that way. And um, so that's the problem I have. I think that we as a community, we sell ourselves out too cheap. Um, we're, we allow people to downgrade our own community and uh, just so we can get paid. So I think we as a community have to come back and, and to entertain to entertainers, um, to people who are actors, um, that you speak for us. When the world sees you, they think I'm like that. And um, those people who are making those decisions inside of those editing rooms and those cutting rooms and those people who are writing those scripts, they need to be held accountable as well. And unfortunately, the woman who created this show is a black woman. Mm. She is a black that woman, is, and she got paid millions of dollars, and those girls who are on the shows and all these housewife shows get paid, you know, quite a bit of money. And so they, they're content to sell us out um, so that they can wear Gucci and Louie and whoever else they want to wear. Mm, that's too bad. That's unfortunate. That really is unfortunate. And it really is unfortunate. As much as I like my sayings, I'm willing to work hard for them. Absolutely. <laughs> not, you're not willing to tear down my whole race to get it. No, I'm not. I, I can't. I can't. And the other thing that I noticed that we also do it to each other, um, if you mentioned that earlier, is whenever we see one of us getting ahead, um, 
we're always there to say, I knew her back in the day when she didn't have nothing. Why is it that we have to constantly remind each other of who we were in the past when we're trying to advance ourselves? And it's not that we're doing it in a demonstrative, demonstrative, demonstrative manner. We're just trying to live our lives and, and, and elevate ourselves. Why do we always have to tell people, yeah, I remember when she used to, uh, you know, buy drugs on the corner, such and such and such. Mm, Why do we do that? So, mm-hmm, so unfortunate um, because um, in, the, in, the, in the black race, in the black community, um, we have been taught to compete against each other again if there's, if there's two black people on a job and everybody else are different races, then, of course, you are, you know, I'm in my mind thinking you are my competition. You know, you are the one that, I, that I'm gunning for. Um, and so bringing out your shortcomings, we think, will make us look better. But, in fact, it doesn't make it makes you look worse when you bring out other shortcomings before other people. Um, so one of the reasons we do that is because we're not sure in ourselves. We're not proud in ourselves. We're jealous. Um, and it, is, and it's, it comes from slavery. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I know, I know a lot of black people. Oh, here we go with the slave. But do you know? <laughs> <laughs> but do you know uh, that what happened in slavery still rings today? There are a lot of people walking around here with PTSD and don't get any help. And when I say PTSD, I'm even talking about teenagers who are seeing their mama getting beat, their daddy got shot, the brother got killed. I mean, we are walking around with a lot of people who are shell-shocked. And so when we attack like we do, it's out of our own pain. It's out of our own pain. And until we can get a platform, yours is one, um, other black people need to use their platforms as one, for healing and addressing and validating that what you did to me hurt me. And until you can get there, to acknowledge the hurt that happened to us as a people, um, to black women, to black men, I think you're going to still continue to see people respond to others out of pain versus building each other up. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, you know, I so I so commend you for, for coming on the show and speaking, speaking this, speaking this into our community, speaking this into Thank the you. ears and making it a reality that we need to really accept. And I think we have a problem with accepting the truth. We always try to color it and cover it up, dress it up nicely. You know, um, I remember as a kid, uh, I was a little tomboyish. And um, so we had to go down south to stay with some relatives for a couple of weeks in the summer. That was just part of our, I guess you could say, cultural enrichment. And I, I loved being down there, but I didn't always like putting on the dress on Sundays. And mm-hmm. I mean, I don't get me wrong, I love clothes, I love shoes, but it's just the whole notion of putting on the dress and having to sit still, that was the part that got to me. Because I know when the dress came on, I couldn't move around anymore. So um, I um, was doing something I shouldn't have been doing because it was, um, uh, we were supposed, I was supposed to be take, keeping my eye on the, the, the car because the car had the pies in it for for the church social. And instead of me keeping my eye on the car because the dogs would kind of like try to hop in the back and eat the pies, I was running back and forth, and I fell down, and I skimped my knee. And knowing, (laughs) yes, 
I, I freaked out and I panicked because I was like, oh, my goodness, I was supposed to be standing still. I wasn't supposed to move. And I fell down and I skinned my knee. And I'm looking in the sand trying to find the skin to put back on my knee, which was oh my insane. <laughs> yes, it was insane. And because I was so afraid that I was just going to get it for not standing still. And I wanted to try, as I said, just clean it up and cover it up so nobody will notice that I, I, I didn't behave myself. And I think back to that, and I'm like, that's where the mindset begins. When we're kids, we're told things, and we're not really told them in a way where we can truly understand it. And we develop these notions and these sayings and these yeah. beliefs, and they're not true, and we don't understand why, but we're just doing it. So we need to be able to explain things in detail so that when we do begin to form our own opinions and our own ideas, they're based on truth and not fiction. Mm. Well, so, so, so very true. And you, you, like so many others, uh, uh, you know, when we were growing up, my mother was, a, you know, a very strict woman. And again, if I did something, I would be so nervous and almost, I, I would have panic attacks. Um, because I was scared to get a whooping from mom. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so even as we were talking earlier, how big a role moms play in dads, of course, in their children's development, and being mean and um, not explaining things, not communicating well, we'll, we'll have a child grow up to be that bitter person who's always insulting others and, and who's unsure of themselves. So we are very apparent are responsible a lot of times for how healthy you turn a child out to the world. Mm-hmm. You know, when you release your child into the world at 18 years old, of course they still have some growing to do, but, you know, a lot of the, the basic things should be done. And we owe it to our children to explain, um, to communicate. But, of course, back in the day when I grew up, my mother said, I don't explain nothing to nobody, I pay the bills. You know, <laughs> I heard that one too. <laughs> oh yes, ma'am. However you feel, you just feel that way. It doesn't matter to me. Um, but I understood the rules. I understood, you know, what what where, what what was uh, needing to be done. And if I messed up, then mm-hmm. children need room to mess up and still be okay. Mom, yeah. you know, we really need to give our kids a chance. Um, if they make a mistake, that they'll they'll still be okay. Because you will grow up with people. Yes, and that was one of the things when I was raising my daughter, I always told her, I know you're not an angel, so you might as well just tell me what happened so that we can kind of figure out how to fix it or what to do next. And I always told her that, and it always left the door open for her to come to me and talk to me about certain things. And I think that's so important. But the other thing that I wanted to mention was the fact that when you – have your child who's well-developed, grounded, and you put them out in that sea of wolves that are out there, how do they manage that? Because that in itself can really, really tear an individual down when they come from a well-established, well-grounded background, but they're in a sea of sharks and wolves. Mm. Well, part of being in a, uh, being well-rounded, is knowing how to how to deal with sharks and wolves. So I think it's very very crucial that you teach your children. Okay, baby, you know, out there is not in here. 
when you go to work, you're not looking for friends. These are not going to be your homegirls. You're going to work to work. Do not tell your secrets. Um, and so I think that sometimes we don't warn them enough. Um, in particular, my daughter, a very I have a middle daughter, she's 27, very, very sweet young lady. Well, she just loves everybody, and she would treat everybody so sweet. And that's a result of, of growing up in a family who we just loved on her. She was the baby girl, and, you know, she just was, uh, you know, didn't see anything jaded. So when she started going to work in I had to sit her down and I had to tell her and that there are people who are not going to like you because of your cheery attitude. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's people who are not going to like you because you smile and, 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 and you lift others up. Unfortunately, um, those people do exist in workplaces and churches and in houses. Um, but what I have taught her is that you do not allow anybody else to, make, to be in your own life. And you can always tell your truth but just tell it with God. Thank you. And Thank so, you. <laughs> so you don't have to let people bully you. You stand up. But if you do not warn them, if you do not tell them, they're going to walk into a situation where people are not like them. Don't treat others like they treat people, and they're going to be mm-hmm. hurt. They're going to be devastated. So you've yes. got to be honest with them. Yes. I know when I first started working in, in corporate America, I was a wreck. I would come home and I'd be sitting with my mom going, but Ma, you don't understand. She goes, yes, I do. I said, they act like animals sometimes. She goes, and they are. She said, they're not there to coddle you. They're not there to 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 pull you over to the side and, and help you. They're there to do a job. And the thing is, they're going to do their job and they're going to get their paycheck. And if they want to move up, they're going to do their job, get their paycheck and climb over you to do it. And you have to understand it. And I was like, why? Why? She goes, because that's the way of the world. And you have to understand it now. Mm -hmm. That's business. I'm I'm not here to coddle you and um, make sure that your feelings are okay. If you you need that, if you need constant validation, if you need constant approval for what it is you're doing, you're not going to get it in the workplace. So you need to build other systems that reward you in the way that you need to, whether they be – playing basketball or children or, or whatever it is, but to look for it from coworkers, um, from your supervisor, you're looking for it from a, from the wrong place. Now, of course, you should be, a, you know, recognized when you do a good job and, and mm-hmm. um, your supervisor should respect you, but to expect it, it you, you're going to set yourself up for failure. Yes, especially when you're younger. As you get older, you learn how to maneuver situations. You can gauge, you know, when to and when not to, but when you're first starting out, that's when it's the roughest, and that's when careers are made or broken, when you're first starting out. It was and, so true, and not only that, they have to realize that, um, again, that work is work and not college or high school. So sometimes mm-hmm. the only relationship they've ever maintained has been their classmates or, you know, or they're at school, and they walk into the work environment thinking the same type of thing. So we do owe it to our young people to to educate them. And um, I just hate to say this, but even on a fast food level, some of the cust- the worst customer service happens in urban communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and so the bottom line is you have to take care of you. You have to take pride in what you do. 
And in fact, the word of God says everything that you do, you should do it to the glory of the Lord. So not that man is looking at you, but God is looking at you. And, and, and how you present yourself, the work that you do, the excellence in which you do it in, um, really has a reflection on what you think about yourself. Um, so sometimes when you treat others bad and do a bad job, um, it speaks more to you than to them. So yes. we need as a as a community to be responsible for our own behavior. Correct. Now, I'm going to stop here because we've come, you know, we're coming close to our time, but I did want to okay. give you the opportunity to tell um, our listeners about the upcoming um, events that you have for the um, oh, National Association please. of Urban Etiquette Professionals. Well, thank you so much for the, today. This has been a great conversation. Um, I hope that uh, people are blessed, truly blessed by it. Um, and we have some great things. As mentioned earlier this year, is Naomi Year of the Lady. And so this year we're going to be doing something monthly um, to advocate for women returning back to class in elegance. Um, and so this month is Hot Tea Month, and we'll be doing a virtual tea testing on the 28th of this month. Um, April is Hats and Pearls Springtime Tea. So we're going to be having tea all over the country. If you are in one of these cities, Log on www.urbangirls, that's what it is, .org, and find out where there is a, um, a tea in your area. Um, you can get involved by buying a T-shirt that says Etiquette Makes the Lady um, to support our, our mission of just restoring, um, you know, civility and womanhood back to the urban community. Um, and so we'll have activities every month. Log in to the website to find out. Um, what you can do, and we really want um, everybody to get involved to restoring etiquette and, and being a lady within the urban community. Thank you. Thank you so much. And as I said earlier, I am just so honored that you take you took the time out to join us and to, to just go over some of the things that we kind of often overlook because we do need we do need guides and we do need a guidebook on, on how to maneuver some of the different things that we encounter on a daily yeah. basis. And this is an opportunity to start the dialogue and to also get some little guides in place for us to, to use as resource material. And I thank you. Well, you're very welcome. Okay, great. Now, with that said, is there any final word that you would like to leave with our listeners? I would just say stop being silent. If you've been um, abused, if someone has touched you and you do not want to be touched, you have been violated and you have a right to speak up. And um, on the other side, men, um, our brothers, we love you. And, um, you know, we need you to, to stand with us. And so I hope this um, begins reconciliation among black men, black women, within our community, within the urban community, um, to begin to hold each other accountable and responsible um, and celebrate one another. Thank you. Thank you so much. And on that note, to all of my listeners out there, please, if you are on the East Coast, stay warm because the, the temperatures out there are brutal. So you just got to be careful. Please take some, a moment out to check in on any seniors in your community to make sure that they're okay. Um, we got to make sure that we kind of keep an eye on our seniors because they are the ones that paved the path for us to be where we are today. And yeah. Additionally, I think that um, 
We are going to be announcing some other things, but I'll just, you know, you can go to the website and you can find out all that information. It's the Coco Express Show um, dot, dot com. And on that note, I would like to wish each and every one of you an amazing weekend and a wonderful week. So be well, take care of yourself, and God bless. Thank you. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.